daddies see him arriving, the greatest stars you'll ever see. Some are flying and some are driving from Liverpool to Tennessee. Chuck Berry's checking in from St. Louis. He's gonna see Maybelline in Memphis too. The representative from New York City is Leslie Gord. Now she sure looks pretty. Here they come. Welcome to the Swamplex Podcast. My name is Brandon Leday. I'm Brittany Lombas. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And we are recording in James and Hannah's living room in Mid-City, New Orleans. This is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swampflix. Jazz Fest edition. Yahoo! <laughs> we are in between Jazz Fest weeks as we're recording this, and we just, or three of us just went outside in the sun mm-hmm. to watch... It was supposed to be The Who, but we got very bored and yep. wandered off to see Nelly instead. We had a great time. Amazing. Great so hot. Eh. That's what I would have done. Yeah. So. It, was, it was great. And half of his set list was uh, not Nelly songs. Right. Yeah. He did like an in memoriam medley right. of like rappers who've recently died. And he like oh, that is played a bunch of their beautiful. songs. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> a big improvement on how the Oscars do it, I think. I was like dancing and, and sad, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Brittany, it sounds like you went to a satellite jazz fest show yesterday as well. Yeah, yeah. Saw John Cleary and uh, a few other folks. His, his monster gentleman. <laughs> um, it was like a really, it was like an eight to eleven show, which was Ooh, really nice. That's dark. Yeah, it was dark, but it was like quick, so I can like get my fill and then go home at yeah. a decent hour. But yeah, it it was nice to like do something again because I'm like, let me test this out and see how I do with like. Um, like a portion of a jazz fest crowd, and yeah, I think I'm ready to fest it up next weekend. Ooh, well, we yeah. had the exact opposite experience. Yeah, <laughs> we were like leaving jazz fest, and the sun was just starting to go down. Like, fuck, man, why didn't this thing start later or go later? It's not like why <laughs> cool down, yeah, cool down, man. Right. It was hot. We did sit in the gospel tent, watch Irma Thomas for yeah. an hour, which was oh, like nice. a necessary thing for. It was a revelation. My body heat. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I almost converted. To Christianity. Yeah. I was like, okay, it all makes She'll sense She'll do now. that to you. Yep. Oh, Irma. Irma brought me there. She sounded great. Yeah. She's like 81 years 81. old. 81. Mm-hmm. I mostly mentioned this because it was just great timing what James picked for this episode, because I do not think this was intentional, but we watched a bunch of uh, documentaries about rock concerts mm-hmm. uh, and then happened to go to these like big crowded uh, rock concert events at Jazz Fest. Part of the thing I was going to bring up later when we talk about one of the documentaries is I had a long discussion with your dad about oh the death God. of rock and roll. <laughs> and it got me thinking a lot oh, about wow. the Led Zeppelin movie we had to watch for this. So been thinking a lot about rock in general, you know, I think Nelly outperforming the who was the official death. That was death. The death. Yeah. 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 I, I thought that too. <laughs> oh man. What else have y'all been watching besides these uh, rock and roll movies? Well, I got to see the Northman. Oh, can't wait. It was um, it was insanely good. I had a really really good time. Like I I went initially just to watch a bunch of like ripped giant dudes all bloodied up and animalistic, just going at each other. That does happen, and it does happen. But um, there's a lot of other elements that kind of took me by surprise. Um, so there's some fun farting and burping moments oh, yeah. that kind of break up the um, the intensity of everything that's happening, which I thought was kind of yeah, fun. And it's good. done in, in the most tasteful way possible. There's also um, 
a lot of good um, violent horror elements to it done in the way. So Robert Eggers directed it and it's done in the same fashion of like his other movies, like the witch where something just super horrible and disgusting and grotesque will happen. And you're either forced to look at it <laughs> for way too long, or it lingers in the background and you mm-hmm. know that it's there and you right. get a glimpse of it. Like you're one of the people in the crowd watching this like this horrible, disturbing thing happen. So that was really great. And there's a little sweet love story and a, a hint of incest. Oh. <laughs> the love story is really what like won me over. Like I was like, is this his most romantic movie? There were parts where I was like, oh, that's really sweet, <laughs> which I did not expect. It was Eggers beautiful. Film. Like yeah. I don't want to spoil it. I'll stop. But like there's this beautiful moment where um, there's this sort of thermal hot tub Icelandic love situation mm. that happens and it's just super beautiful so yeah I, yeah I highly recommend it it was a lot a lot a lot of fun watch it in theaters because it is a, mm. a theatrical event to see this it is so good so Ugh. good there's a lot of like sex and like lust in the lighthouse <laughs> but I would not call that movie romantic right no I wouldn't yeah it's no. a pretty it's sweet pretty tender toxic relationship yeah. but there also yeah. is Farting and burping in the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. So the, there's the common thread. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. But yeah, I watched that one in the Batman back to back, and I was like really surprised Ooh. by how romantic both of those movies were. Yeah. Because they're both tough guy films. Yeah. I know. And then I'm like, do I like tough dudes? <laughs> like after I saw that, <laughs> I'm like, I always thought do I was I going like... to the artsy types. So I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brandon? What have you been watching other than Batman and the Northman back to back? I went to see the <laughs> Nicolas Cage superhero movie where Nicolas Cage uh, plays himself and gets recruited by the CIA to spy on his like number one super fan played so by confusing. Um, Pedro Pascal. I uh, I really didn't like this movie. <laughs> the the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, which I feel like people have just been calling the Nick Cage movie. Uh, right. Because that title is such a mouthful. Yeah. It's gotten a lot of good reviews and it's gotten a lot of people talking about Nick Cage in a really appreciative way. Yeah. And I think it coincided with a book that came out recently called The Age of Cage. That sort of like looks back at his entire career. Oh, wow. And I didn't know about that. I like that people are celebrating him. I mean, we talk about him all the time. <laughs> and I feel like people are like, what are you talking about? He hasn't been famous in like 20 years. Who gives a shit? And the movie kind of has that attitude. Like Nicolas Cage is this loser who used to be famous. And now he's like, just kind of lost and like not doing good work and can't land any roles. And like this like CIA mission like revitalizes him. The only acknowledgement they have of his recent career is someone says Mandy is a masterpiece, which true. <laughs> like, yes. It's one Agreed. of his best movies, but like I just rejected the premise. Like generally, like he's been doing some of his best work recently. He never went away. He says that a lot in the movie. He keeps yeah. like interjecting like I never went anywhere. I've, I've always been here. <laughs> even, even, here. That, even that period where he was doing like kind of shitty straight to video Action movies, I even enjoyed some of those. Yeah. Drive Angry. And- he always put in his best, yeah. Do you know if he was involved with like writing the script at all? No, I think they were going to recast him if he didn't agree to do it. Really? <laughs> so maybe he got to ad-lib and like add some things, but I, I believe it was written without him. Okay. I don't know. It just kind of feels like 10 years ago when Andy Samberg was doing those like 
weekend update bits about how Nicolas Cage is as weird as his characters are. Mm. That joke has not evolved at all between this and that. Gotcha. Like the, uh, not the bees YouTube clip has the same level of like engagement with this career as this movie does. And it feels like <laughs> so long ago that, uh, I don't know. I just found it kind of stale and unfunny. Well, and I, I read an interview with him. I think it was in like GQ or something. And he's like a really interesting, smart, funny, like he's yeah. a really interesting guy. I'm glad that people are like reappreciating him, but like I said, he never, never went away. It got me interested though in the movies they were talking about. Like they were referring to like Con Air and um mm. That's actually what I was gonna bring up with the what I've been watching. <laughs> oh great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just segue. just the fact that like he used to be a big Hollywood movie star and I don't think of them that way anymore. Like I think of him as like a weird auteur. So like I'd like to go back and watch some of these like movie star period films from him. Yeah, and Con Air is awesome. It's <laughs> like I just it's one of those movies where like, you know, I've I think it came out in 97, so I was like 12. And I just remember it being so awesome as like watching it as a kid and watching it as an adult. It is still awesome. It's funny. It is like outrageous with like, I forgot that the movie ends with them landing the plane on the Las Vegas Strip. And then there's a chase in a fire truck and <laughs> they crash into a casino. And it's just like, it's wildly entertaining. Big practical explosions and yeah, and it's got you know the side characters with the Ving Rhames and John Malkovich and Steve Buscemi. They all seem like they're having a lot of fun. It's just a dude. It's a really fun time, and I feel the same way about the other big action movie from The Rock. I've never seen that one. Oh man, it's like one of the big Michael Bay movies I haven't seen. Yeah, and this. Uh, Con Air was directed by Simon West. I thought it was directed by him, but it's actually directed by Simon West, who has done other, like The Expendables and some other big budget stuff. Yeah. But it feels like a Michael Bay movie, for sure. But yeah, those two, Con Air and The Rock, I think were like the pinnacle of Nick Cage as an action star. I mean, he's totally believable. He's likable. He's ripped, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know quite what happened after that. Uh, I think he had to take every single job offered to him because of uh, tax issues and like financial troubles. Yeah. Um, so his enthusiasm never waned, but the uh, roles got smaller, I think. Yeah, because he did like the Ghost Rider and the mm-hmm. Drive Angry stuff. And so he's still yeah. an action star, but not with a budget that big. Yeah. And that also became kind of a meme, too. Like there were some videos in like the, I don't know, early. 2010s mocking Nick Cage for like taking whatever role he's offered to and his like agent is becoming increasingly um harried and because he's taking like these you know just totally absurd there's like a like an action um Schindler's List crossover and that yeah so anyway (laughs) um yeah that has also been kind of like done to death how old is that video though would you say i think it's a it's like a decade old yeah yeah exactly unbearable weight of massive yeah. talent has not pushed that conversation <laughs> no. forward in any way yeah but it does have a nostalgia for like the con air period which i found kind of interesting i was like i haven't seen most of those movies since i was a little kid you should i don't you really watch big budget action movies like that anymore so i i mean i don't either and i i don't know i guess i forgot how fun they are yeah i'm sure they're great <laughs> they're yeah. like a lot of a lot of really good one-liners and big action set pieces so i think i was writing while james was watching this movie and all so i was like absorbing it in the background and 
his southern accent really stuck out to me <laughs> yeah. as as a particular gem. He used to do that kind of half Elvis impersonation for like the longest time. <laughs> While I'm coming back to see my baby girl. <laughs> yeah. The set, the setup for Con Air is so great too, where he's like an ex-Marine who kills a guy in a parking lot to save his like wife. And at so many points throughout the movie, he could just walk off the plane. But he like has a best friend that he swore he's going to like protect him. So even though he could go home to his like wife and kid, he's like, no, nah, I got to stay back and like take out all these psychopaths so I can be with my best friend. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. So, Hannah, what about you? Oh, man, I've been watching just a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. I've just been in total like um, hunker down mode. So all I have the mental capacity to consume besides the movies we watched are like ridiculously convoluted game shows, including bullshit, which is uh, kind of like who wants to be a millionaire, but you're trying to also convince people that you know the answer to these questions even if you don't <laughs> yeah oh, it's like a con man game like, yeah, yeah exactly wow. yeah like it's you can get fun. like up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. i mean the the end goal is a million wow. but there are people on the show that like get to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they haven't known a single answer to the questions <laughs> they've been asked but they convince everybody else that they they're like oh yeah it was a because in 1987 like this person did this and people believe them and oh wow they got Dude, it. It, it, yeah. it it the really is kind of eerie to watch because it's so i i don't know i don't want to think too much about it but it's like such a sign of like the post trump right. post truth world we live in where it's like you can become a millionaire just through bullshitting other people and convincing them of your bullshit and we'll reward you for that yeah but there is a movie I haven't watched it recently, but I think as the um, as it's getting hotter, this movie has come back into my mind. So I want to talk about it a little bit um, and recommend it. And it's called Smooth Talk. It's directed by Joyce Chopra. Um, it was released in 1985, and it's an adaptation of a Joyce Carol Oates short story called um, Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? It is about this young girl named Connie, who's played by Laura Dern, who is great in this movie. And it's she's like 15. She's going into her sophomore year of high school. And it's kind of about her sexual awakening and um, her tension with her mother. She's like starting to go out and flirt with boys and telling her mom she's going to be at the mall and then going somewhere else to like hang out with all the boys and she attracts the attention of this man named Arnold Friendly who is the much older and it becomes like a very predatory situation and the last the first half plays like kind of a normal coming of age teen story and the last half or the last third is a confrontation between this man and her and it's like she lives in this like big beautiful kind of summery home out in the middle of nowhere and it's a movie that just feels hot and this like encounter between them is escalating and kind of boiling and becoming more and more treacherous and this movie just has stuck in my mind since I saw it and uh, if you want a, a creepy summer drama then I would say go and go watch it. I also love Joyce Carol Oates um, as a writer, and the story is really chilling. Mm. And th- this movie has very much the same mood. And I just, I think it's 
very special because it has that real like like she is very childlike and and young and naive and she's but she's like just on the edge of like going into like maturity and oh. it really it really captures that kind of precarious moment in a young person's life very well so yeah, uh-huh. just been this on about my it. watch list. <gasps> yeah, I just checked. I'm like, I feel like I remember seeing something like this. Yeah, and like, a great poster. It looks like a um, it does like an 80s novel. Something it's something. very cool. Channel, yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. It's like Laura Dern and he's standing behind her and it has like smooth well, talk. It's a um, Tree Williams pink. who was burned yeah, from hair. <laughs> yeah, he's very bad in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bad guy. Bad guy. I remember when we watched Citizen Ruth. I like went through her IMDb. Mm-hmm. And looked at like every movie where she was top billed. I don't know why this one she wouldn't have be top billed. Right, but she was like second to probably Burger Street Williams, yeah. <laughs> uh, Burger Boy. Yeah. yeah. So it was just weird. Like you think of Laura Dern as this like amazing star that's like just like everyone loves her instantly. Yeah. Like say Laura Dern, I'm like okay, I'm yeah, I will watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it was like maybe three or four movies where she was the top billed star and like the, the yeah. Films. She played in. And I watched it recently too. This movie with Stockard Channing, and so Laura Dern is like a young woman who has like four kids. They live in Shreveport, like her and her oh. husband in a trailer, and she's pregnant. And she decides to give her baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And like Stockard Channing and her husband are like rich, and they're not from the South, and they like fly in. And then like Laura Dern's husband kind of starts like using them, hmm. and it just it ends up, and it's like in the like saddest way possible mm-hmm. where like no one really gets what they want it was very disturbing Ooh. but it was good it was a good yeah, yeah, like yeah. light and um heavy in the end yeah. lifetime film we, we watched it. um this is somewhat recently but i think it's called certain women it has Laura yeah. Dern and mm-hmm. Michelle Williams. I saw that in the theater, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. I, I thought it was really good. She's good, And yeah. she's good in it. There's no, like, main star of that movie, though. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I it's know. the but four I, To your point, women. I'm saying, like... Right, she, she always get... plays, like, a supporting player. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's why that... Um, was that the Spirit Awards where th- uh-huh, they the did Laura that? Dern song? <laughs> yeah. yeah fantastic. It's just, like, I feel like that is the honor that Laura Dern... I mean, she deserves so many honors, oh, but, yeah, like, just that pure appreciation. Like, you have... You have um, been the foundation for so many great films, and you're just such a good, such yes. a good performer. So thank you, Laura Dern, <laughs> if you're listening. Well, we will bring our Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage um, appreciation <gasps> together true. for the next time we all meet up. But more on that later. Uh, right now, it's time to rock. Rock out. <laughs> I hope you guys like rock and roll, because that's all we're talking about for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I just see the people walking outside. Presumably towards Jazz, Jazz Fest. Fest. Yeah. Right. yeah. The vibes are in the air for sure. <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right, right now. now.
I recently watched the film we're going to talk about, and it, with Jazz Fest going on, and you know, with Taylor from the Foo Fighters passing away, and feeling like there's not really any big like rock and roll bands anymore. The Foo Fighters and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are pretty much are it. pretty much it. Yeah, maybe Queens of the Stone Age, but they're not at that level. So the film I made everybody watch. It came out in 1976, but the concerts were actually performed over three nights in 1973, and it is Led Zeppelin's The Song Remains the Same. So the band had been pretty much touring continuously for, I think, about four or five years at this point, and these were the last three shows they played after a mammoth tour. And so the band is understandably exhausted, cracked out. Jimmy Page looks emaciated. (laughs) I was worried for him. I don't know what everyone's relationship to Led Zeppelin is, but as someone that kind of grew up on like classic rock, Jimmy Page's guitar playing is kind of what made me want to play guitar. So I listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin, especially in like high school. And I watched this a lot of times growing up. I haven't rewatched it until, you know, this podcast, but, uh, I think the thing I kind of wanted everybody to sort of appreciate about it is just the rock God level that they were at. I mean, the 60s, it was like the Beatles. And then the 70s, Led Zeppelin dominated. And I don't think we've ever seen a rock band get quite to that level since. No, like it got more like pop and then rap after that. Like, you know, like the Madonna era. and But yeah, but that... Like rock is no longer the cool genre that it once was, but watching this again, I mean, everybody just looks so cool. They're like putting themselves out there as like sex gods. It's definitely messy and they do 30 minute guitar solos and drum solos. And apparently on this tour, there were no openers and they would play for three and a half hours every single night. The crowds are like tripping balls too. So like that time means nothing to them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like everyone's on like psychedelics and um, yeah. And it's just like crazy to see that given the modern state of rock and roll. As far as the movie itself, the band has even come out and said that these performances were not their best. They, I mean, they even admitted like we were so out of it by the end of this tour where they had to take like, I think two or three years off. There's all, lots of stories about their drug abuse and their partying, and all the groupies and the excess. So it's like about as like rock and roll in, in the traditional sense that you can get. For me, there's like definitely highlights of some of the performances. I don't think like Jimmy Page is like a little sloppy here and there. A lot of it is like excessive, but there are some like real gems in here and I think John Bonham's drumming is phenomenal and I think Robert Plant his vocals were wrecked at this point but he sounds pretty good and he looks hot you can see his dick oh, that and camera balls. is eye fucking him yeah. yeah that was my number one takeaway from this movie was just I know what Robert Plant's dick looks like <laughs> like in yes. great detail like there's so much pelvic action right oh, like yeah. the and- camera starts at the pelvis for all right. these guys and just looks up at them. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why they feel like gods. Like the camera is 
in the front row and it's pointing up yeah. at all times. Like they are above you. They are the Titans of rock. And like, there's something about that that is like disgusting and also pretty <laughs> fucking cool. So I feel like conflicted about, it, especially what we know about some of their antics. Yeah. That sort of band can't exist anymore. Probably for good reason. I mean, the hair metal people, the wave after that did even worse shit with yeah. that fame. Like, True. I don't know. It got, it got even more gross before it like crescendoed, I think. Yeah. I thought it was kind of, besides the, the gross stuff underneath all of it, kind of funny how they were super sexualized. Because at that point, the whole vibe of this is, we're the shit. We know we're the right. shit. Look how high we are. Right. And we can like play yeah. our instruments pretty well. And right. you're going to like yeah. sit here and watch me wank off on the guitar right. for half an hour. I know Brandon doesn't really have the stomach for. Oh, that I hate wankery. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. Yeah. I mean, I liked aspects of the movie, but like when you're saying like, I don't know what your feelings are towards Zeppelin. It's like, this is like antithetical to what I like about rock music. Like I like really short to the point sweaty punk music yeah you're mm-hmm. no you're coming from a punk <laughs> don't want a background. 20 minute long song right. oh my god <laughs> i was like begging for the guitar solos to stop <laughs> I, I love it. it got pretty funny during the, like the one drum solo too because like the one, the one thing you haven't mentioned so far is like they have these fantasy sequences yeah yes. I, was, I was gonna get to <laughs> oh, that i think we all like the i one loved I think, I'm of. the fantasy sequences that's the greatest part of yeah. the stony baloney nonsense <laughs> yeah. in the movie but like the fantasy sequence for the drummer before we get to the good ones is so mundane. Like yeah. he just likes to drive cars. <laughs> so like, you know, they each get their individual, like what would my rock God persona be? What D and D fantasy are we going to take right. you on a trip right. to? But his is like, I like to drive real fast <laughs> while he's playing the drums for like 15 minutes by himself. Wasn't like, he on a farm? Too? Yeah. He's just farming. Well, with my, my understanding is like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant were definitely into like esoteric, like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> yes. fucking Jimmy Page bought Alistair Crowley his like mansion and he like was into like witchcraft and they loved Lord of the Rings and Satanism and all. But the sense I get from John Bonham is like he liked to ride his motorcycle and he fucking <laughs> drank. I mean, you know, he drank himself to death at like 32 years oh, old. That, that's terrible. Yeah. But otherwise he rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big goofball. <laughs> yeah. No, and he is. And by Goofy all accounts. man great dude but yeah i get the sense like okay these guys can fuck off in fantasy land and i just yeah. want to like get you know drunk what? and play the drums that really explains jimmy page's um star and moon pants to me right oh, i love those yeah. yeah i like those too yeah since well, he was like into a lot of their album covers too that's like kind of lord of the rings fantasy well, yeah yeah stuff. i feel like watching that three hour folk horror documentary really prepared me for the led zeppelin <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah i was Good. like ooh, look at these little moments of like druidic like musings and like peasant blouses. I was really into yes. it. Okay, so wait, let me try to remember these. Like the Viking Northman sequence, that's Robert Plant, right? He's like on this like boat on a quest and then has these like sword fights and he's like all dressed in fur. Oh, and you also see his like naked children frolicking in the <laughs> spring. <laughs> <laughs> and just like a sword stuck in the ground with this huge fire it just behind catches it. Fire. Yeah, that's pretty great. Awesome. And then you have Jimmy Pages. Was that the carnival one with the latex like horror mask in the graveyard or was that the other guy's name i don't know i think <laughs> no that i think that was the bass player yeah, okay. jimmy page was the let me climb to the mountaintop yeah, and the see mountaintop. my, my yeah. old yeah. wizard self okay. 
<laughs> until I become a fetus and then lightning strikes. Right. Like, yeah. Whoa. That Incredible. was great. That was my favorite one. Yeah. He sees an old man that regresses to fetus age and then uh, so ages back up to old man again. Yeah. yeah pure Benjamin Button. But like whenever... <laughs> It's whenever he starts to get younger, instead of like making the man younger, it just pulls up really blurry pictures from him as a baby <laughs> where there was the, the one right before he becomes a fetus. Like I couldn't even make out his nose. It was so blurry. I'm like, where's his face? It just looks like a big mush of baby. It, it's funny, too, because a lot of the reviews like that's what people don't like about it. They're so wrong. And that's I'm like, favorite no, that's, part. that's great. And it's because they were such... A big deal, like they pretty much called the shots and were like, "We're doing this. Yeah. This is gonna be in the movie. This is our vision, and it's integral <laughs> to this concert film." <laughs> There's a lot of information on the Wikipedia page for this about what concerts were filmed at Madison Square Garden, how they were edited together, and what shots they didn't have, so they had to go to like a film studio to like replace them, mm-hmm. and like where they were on the tour and all this other like yeah. behind the scenes stuff. No information on these fantasy sequences or who directed them or like <laughs> how they were conceived. Like I was like, I need to know right. more. No, a lot of the issue because there's been I think like two or three reissues of this, and they've gone back and put it, mixed it differently, or put songs in or took songs out. But yeah, no information about yeah. the fantasy stuff. I like to imagine they just appeared on the film spontaneously, just out of the dream magic. magic of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. Just, they just started playing the film. They're like, oh, here, uh, your dreams have <laughs> come onto the film. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how everyone feels about Led Zeppelin. I get it. It's annoying. Yeah. But I think there are moments, and there are songs that are shorter, like Whole Lot of Love and Rock yeah. and Roll are like a more punk energy yeah kind of but there is like a 30 minute version of i think no quarter a very long guitar solo yeah i had a as a child and like i guess a teenager i had a strong aversion to like rock groups for some reason like i it's not like i didn't like the songs i just Uh it's like my mind refused to listen to led zeppelin like i had never listened to them before i watched this movie and uh i was surprised by how tight Robert Plant's pants were. He had these like puffy sleeves. It was a less like macho show than I was expecting it to be. Like I have this idea of what those rock groups Mm -hmm. represent, but it was more of like pure sexuality. And I appreciated that. He's got those protruding hip bones from like the Paris Hilton era because his pants ride so low. (laughs) Very Paris. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell really where one song ended and the next began. And I feel like that is like a part of the experience. Yeah. Um, So as a total like naive soul to Led Zeppelin, I was, I just was perceiving it and I appreciated it. And I love those those fantasy sequences I was 100% sold on. Yes. It's just like when you're really good at singing or really good at playing an instrument and you just start doing like noodling or like, right. uh, you know, singers will do scales. And it's just like, I get it. You're really good yeah. at it. I, like, right. I could not I understand. stop laughing at the mama, 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 mama. <laughs> But it's technically impressive that they can't do this stuff. But like at two hours in length, it's just like okay, I understand. Five times the mama ma, and I'm like, mama. It's the same reason. Like we've talked about this, where like you don't like jazz either for that exact reason. Like yeah, well, I don't like 
smart jazz. I like really dumbed down, like, yeah, time kind of stuff. <laughs> you don't like scatting? Yeah, just like the for- formless, like anything could happen but right, jazz right, that right. sort of like goes yeah, into right. chaos and doesn't really <laughs> care right. about whether or not they bring it back together. That like improv style. I just like don't. I have no anchor. Like, I'm just like, what yeah. are we even doing right. here? You're a wash at sea. Right. You're just. <laughs> if jazz. I don't know. You look out at that crowd, though, and they. They just seem overwhelmed. The crowd and, shots are amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're all like, those people are fucking baked out of their pores. <laughs> I'm like, get them some water. Like, right. I was so concerned <laughs> for yeah. their health. Yeah, like, how are you gonna make it through a three-hour set <laughs> right. if you're not on hallucinogens? There's no way. It's also a weird movie because it has no guiding ethos or like purpose. So like, you would think that because they have all those like fantasy sequences. And, um, you know, these rock god, like, shots that the whole movie would be about fantasy. But then mm-hmm. they show a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff where, like, the kids are too high on acid and, like, freaking out and getting thrown out of the building. Or the manager gets in this, like, really petty argument about um, someone selling bootleg posters on site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he lost out on, like, I don't know, like, 50 bucks. Like, get over it. And, I don't know, it's just funny. Like, they show a lot of, like, the gritty behind-the-scenes stuff. And I imagine if you're stoned in a theater... Going to this Led Zeppelin movie, like those are the times you'd be like, "Can we go back to the the guitar right. solo?" Like, I don't want to watch this guy have a petty argument. Dreams, please. Yeah. Well, that doesn't yeah. make sense because, like you said, if there are these like rock gods put on a pedestal. Like, I don't want to see the backstage yeah, any of it, interrupting the fantasy. But yeah. I, I do think the film looks gorgeous. So, like mm-hmm. the stage setup and the lighting is great, and I also think that. John Paul Jones and John Bonham, the like rhythm section of the band is incredibly tight and solid. I don't know. Robert Plant sounds good. Jimmy Page is a mess, but every once in a while his solos like, damn, that was a good series of notes <laughs> followed by like five minutes of wanking off. But yeah, I like came away from this just sort of appreciating the rock God status and the fact, you know, that we're never going to go back to this era. I don't see a future where a band like this could get to this level or exist. I don't know. Part of me is a little sad about that, but I don't know. Like I thought overall it was a pretty decent performance and the fantasy stuff was very fun. And if you're into Led Zeppelin at all, I think you kind of have to see this just to see what it's about. If it had been Sabbath instead of Zeppelin, I'd be like drooling right now. <laughs> the yeah. same fantasy approach. Oh yeah, uh, and they do very similar like blues rock made stadium size. Yeah, style. It's just like it's kind of funny f- for me to say that uh, I like things sped up. Like Sabbath, like really slowed things down and made it like trudgier. It's a little darker. Yeah, yeah. But I think they stayed away from the excessive like jam session, right, right. kind of stuff. There's one drum solo on Paranoid, and it's awful. <laughs> the rest of the album is perfect. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
talked a little bit about how Led Zeppelin had to re-record some stuff at a film studio. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that um, was pushed to an extreme right. in the next concert movie on the docket. Yeah. So wasn't a Led Zeppelin fan in high school. However, I was obsessed with Prince, who is from Minnesota, which is where I'm from. Um, and he was just, to me, like an icon of like weird, crazy sex. And it was just i love him um also i didn't know this but all four of his grandparents are from louisiana and his parents were very talented musicians and prince can play like 27 instruments he's amazing okay so my movie was sign of the times which is stylized as sign and a little peace sign the times it was released in 1987 and it was the concert film for his album of the same name um it was really popular in europe but it, the album wasn't doing as well in the U.S., so he wanted to make a film to kind of promote it here and drum up album sales. So the film was supposed to be comprised of footage from a tour in the Netherlands and Belgium, but they filmed it, and the video quality was super grainy, and Prince did not like the sound either, so they re-recorded <laughs> basically the the whole movie in his Paisley Park Studios in Chanhassen, Minnesota. And I think it was like 80% of the movie <laughs> is the like re-recording in the studios. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, I absolutely loved this film. There is like... The songs from his album, I think he has one or two from, uh, he has like Little Red Corvette, but none of his big hits are in this. And when he plays Little Red Corvette, he plays like a piano ballad. Like, <laughs> and it's super quick. Right, it. yeah. yeah. It's like, I am not deigning to the public. Right. But the setting is so cool. It's this like very 80s, like grungy neon signs it's very like noir dirty yeah exactly it's like they're like girls girls sex like all dirty these neon signs stuff. in an alley yeah <laughs> there's kind of this like overarching narrative of this this man this woman that like are they have a relationship and they break up and then she goes to prince and they have a complicated relationship but it is just prince being like so hot he has like multiple little suits with like little cutouts on the sides like big circles and he's wearing like a little silver thong or Sign something of the times is like pure cutouts yeah like it's all i remember <laughs> from like the album and like anything that reminds me of yeah. Sign of the times it's just oh yeah there's a bunch of yeah. like there's a pant leg missing right yeah part of the stomach's cut out big old circles of flesh everywhere. yes um prince is his dancing is amazing this looks beautiful um, it was so fun, and it has um, his drummer is Sheila E, Oof. and she is a monster. She is so her. yes, I would die for yeah. Sheila. That, that's what blew me away. Yeah, I was like, whoa! Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize she was that good. She oh, has so like good. I don't I don't know how many. You would probably have a better idea of like it's like a sixteen piece. She's got the Neil Perk kit. Where she's yeah, just like it's just all around. around. Yeah, it's like a three sixty. I mean, dare I say she's the star of the show? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair. I think. 
think that's fair. And she yeah. makes drum solos entertaining. They last yeah. like under two minutes and you're still yeah. like, wow, that's and, incredible. Yeah. Oh my God, it's bananas. Yeah. And there she's just like. Brrr. And I and also then, love though, she has like just a cowboy hat hanging yeah. off her back. Yeah. Like, put it on, girl. Let's go, girls. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's one point where she just throws her drumsticks away and she's like batting at the cymbals with her hands. And there's also, like, later on in the concert, she's also um, just, like, dancing and singing. She's a singer, too. She has her own career. Um, And she just was, like, electric. I just couldn't stop looking at her. She was beautiful. She was so cool. But anyways, Prince was, like, I mean, he just blows me away. His dancing was amazing. I love listening to him sing. He's a great um, guitarist. And the look of this movie was, like, impeccable to me. Um, so yeah, I uh, I loved it. Yeah, I love this movie too. I'm also a f- big Prince fan. He is so effortlessly sexy and cool yeah. without trying to do anything. Like it's not that he's low energy at all, mm-hmm. but the sexual energy that he oh exudes God. from him, like, is tenfold any yeah. movement that he's doing, right. which is so wild to watch. Yeah, I also he's agree, <laughs> and I also because feel like this might come up again but like his guitar work you know after we watch watching the jimmy page stuff like he is dare i say much better guitar play it's tasteful and it's like when he does a solo like it makes sense and it's leading somewhere so as like a player i really respect him as well and yes, he does just exude yeah. so much yeah. so much sexuality. Weird sexuality. Right. Like like gender androgynous. Right. right. Yeah. Like that's pure, it's like he's he, turning on everybody right. in the crowd. He transcends. I don't know what Prince's sexuality is. It doesn't matter. But it's he just is like Apparently a no one knows. Like <laughs> I a, looked it up. A, I, tried, <laughs> I tried to. <laughs> like he is it's like the quintessence of sex, like sexual energy, and like mm-hmm. everybody's invited, you know, like everyone's invited. Yeah, like it's come a big in. sex party. It's, I'm, yes. And like just come I on in. In my notes where it was like, you know, my overall arching thing for describing Sign of the Times is a sex music orgy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, it's like I think I just appreciate how th- there are a lot of rock bands where it's clear, like, okay, this is like I'm a man and mm-hmm. I want to fuck women and like right. he does I, a little bit of that. He's playing on that like macho like uh, negging thing in the movie of Butcher's like here it is guys versus girls guys are better right. but it's like so weirdly playful and um, I think when he does that in the middle of the music video section uh, Sheena Easton's like oh for you got oh, the look oh be quiet yeah <laughs> she just, like, punches him <laughs> off he's like almost doing it sarcastically the, right like, macho bravado I, right yeah. yeah I love how they brought in the you got the look music video I mean <laughs> that's the music video right. one of the best parts of the it's movie it's so great because at first it didn't click to me and I'm like how did Sheena Easton get here yeah um, <laughs> Scottish pop the princess look of, like yeah. the look of it was so different than the rest of the movie I, was like, I don't agree actually I it think it's blended, pretty similar I thought it blended well that's why I didn't know I it would look grainier to me it looked well, like the footage because they were they using probably, the footage from the right. live show and i was like yeah. oh now i see why you didn't want to use that it just doesn't look as good another super sexy person is cat so the dancer cat i think her name mm-hmm. would be like cat glover or something so i was like really into like watching her throughout the entire yeah. movie and there's not a lot about her out there on the interweb 
But apparently she won some sort of star search competition and her signature dance move is called the cat scratch. Wow. And she did it and you got the look and I kept trying to like that on the internet. It's like, oh, she does the cat scratch that she's known for and you got the look. And I think it's whenever she's being wheelbarrowed. Mm-hmm. Like whenever oh, they just, yeah, like, I think that's the that, cat yeah. scratch. That part where Prince, I think she's wearing like a... <laughs> A tutu. Tutu, and yeah. he like slides underneath her and pulls Wild. the tutu <laughs> off. I was like, hell yeah, Hot. that's cool. It's like Pepe Le Pew bullshit, <laughs> Let though. Him go. <laughs> yeah, I, I have your tutu. Oh my God. If he would be a cartoon character, he would be Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, he would, totally. <laughs> but wow. that's like an old fashioned, like chasing skirts kind of like yeah. macho thing. But when he does it, it's it feels like ironic or like winking or right. something. Yes. Yeah. He's like playing with those like gender roles. Right. Because he's not a big hulking like Schwarzenegger roided out. He's like a little tiny like sex man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I probably am projecting, but I do feel like he is just a celebration of sex, period. Yeah. And not like a celebration of sex with women necessarily. And I think that that is like very cool. Uh, It's also nice that like, after he passed away, you, if there were any bad print stories, they would have came out. But by all accounts, like he seemed like just kind of a strange. Like every time I hear a print story, <laughs> it's like him chasing Sinead O'Connor to like try his soup, or like right. having a macaroni buffet after yeah. his SNL. Break. It's like weird wow. shit. And I'm like, I love this man. If there's a shame about this movie, it's like he had better records before this. Like mm-hmm. it, it could have been like in the controversy era or. 1999 which is like his best album and like he could have played dance music sex romance which is like a fucking banger song and i feel like really sums up the whole vibe here don't you is it just me thinking this but like didn't his career get like more sexual in the early 90s like everyone else's well he became like a staunch jehovah's witness for a while and stopped singing his sex songs for like a good while when did like 2000s uh, yeah because like when the album with like cream on it and all that Cream. wasn't that like after Game sign of the times Tom. i just remember things were more sexy than I mean, this. dirty minds <laughs> well dirty mind and controversy and 1999 are all way more like vulgar and came yeah. out before this um and a lot of the b-sides to those songs are like where you get the really dirty stuff filthy yeah filthy bitch but i mean the real charm of this is like you know, were talking about the led zeppelin movie breaking the fantasy um, to like mm-hmm. show the like the behind the scenes stuff. This is pure fucking fantasy pure the fantasy. whole time. Yeah. yeah. That, oh. It's not even a real concert. It's it's like <laughs> it's a two awful. hour music video. It's, right. Well, and that's what I found interesting. <laughs> I think we'll and we'll probably come back to that again. But like each one of these films had like a different take on what a concert film really is. Like it's not a pure documentary of mm-hmm. an event. Uh, and different films that we talk about play with it in different ways. Yeah. And this one, yeah, is pure fantasy. It's a, that's why I was saying that the Sheena Easton thing didn't throw me off because the movie is a music video and it's shot with yeah, those exactly. like production values. You're like, how did you get that angle while they're performing in front of a crowd? You're like right. panning across <laughs> all these different background singers and then swooping it. It's like, wow, that's some really amazing camera work. Yeah. It's like, oh, you filmed it all at Paisley Park and like just took your time and got all the shots you wanted. And right. Well, it's funny he's when he's kind they... of a perfectionist. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, like, only he would make a movie this way. Right. Like, this well, is his version of a concert yeah, film. like cut it all out. We're gonna we're gonna we're start over. The... Right. It's more like a movie adaptation of a documentary, <laughs> right, which right, right. is like so fun. And then the, they do when they do have crowd shots. It's like a sea of white. Uh, oh Northern my god. Europe. Yeah, Northern <laughs> Europeans <laughs> dancing. And I don't know. I thought that was funny. <laughs> 
Well, the next movie has very little fantasy in it. A lot of it is like behind the scenes, like actual fly on the wall documentary style. Yeah, and that would be um, Depeche Mode 101 from 1989. So it's like a one a 101 on Depeche Mode, but also um, <laughs> the meaning behind that is in this movie, they are going to the Rose Bowl. That's like kind of the end goal of this documentary. And it is their 101st and final show for their Music for the Masses tour, which is a fabulous album. So... This movie is interesting because it brings in reality TV mm-hmm. a little before bit. Before reality TV, too. Yeah. Like yeah. Years before the real world came out. So th- supposedly this was like inspirational to the producers who moved on to create the real world. But yes, yeah, so basically there's a group of um, shithead young folk, teenagers, probably some, most teens, but like maybe 19, some to the early. Yeah. And they win this contest to be in the Depeche Mode movie, whatever that is. Right. And they basically take a cross-country road trip to the Rose Bowl show. And they're in this giant bus together. And they have like little pit stops along the way. So as we're going through this documentary, we're watching, you know, behind the scenes of Depeche Mode as they're preparing for some of their shows. But not too much with them. And I think the reason is the members of Depeche Mode are just very chill. They're not like right. super quirky or crazy or what a lot of folks would find interesting. They're just like, yeah, let's go play some music. There's great. a part Sounds where great. the singer was like, yeah, I used to work in a grocery store and now I do uh, this. I, 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 re- I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> he's like, some days I wish I was still at the grocery store. I had more fun. But <laughs> yeah, this I is make way too more, much money. Yeah, he's like, this is now. way more stressful. <laughs> So I think that the the hope was that this crazy group of of teens would give us this like bizarre entertainment. But for me, like that was my least favorite part of this entire movie. Oh, I disagree. Oh God, <laughs> I, I disagree too. But I don't okay. know if we for the same reasons. I so Depeche Mode is my favorite band of all time. Which I have to say, I did not listen to any Depeche Mode before this, and I. Am a fan now. Yeah. I oh do, my god! They're I great. do like, and I Good. see how influential they are. Like to everything. On yeah, on like all the bands that I listen to, I could see like oh For, yeah, even totally um, influenced by that. The Deftones, particularly, mm-hmm. they're like he. So Chino like bass like the way he sings and his style like just from he would listen to Depeche Mode and just sing it while he had his like headphones in and stuff oh wow but yeah, yeah even like i don't know nine inch nails oh, yeah for sure smashing pumpkins <laughs> yes all that stuff yes. <laughs> <laughs> fresh food <laughs> and i think just because like i'm a pretty big fan of theirs that every time like they weren't performing mm-hmm. i was like okay i'm over it like i want another song right. damn it and the movie really fucks with you like They'll play the opening notes of a song and like a crowd getting so excited I, to hear that and song. And I'm getting jazz. And then it cuts to the kids on the bus getting drunk as shit and just falling <laughs> right. down. It's like, why am I not watching the band that just started playing? Right. I mean, I, I thought the stuff with the kids was interesting from a purely like historical thing. Like there's that part where they run into like these like group of Latino metalheads. Right, the Metallica thing. Yeah, and they're like into Guns N' Roses and Metallica and they're like shit talking. They call them. what they say Guns and Posers. Right. Guns and Posers, yeah. Like, <laughs> so stupid. But just like a time capsule of like, because I think that this was 88. Yes. You know, I was born in 86. So this is like around the time when I was born and to see like what 
the American cultural mm-hmm. landscape look like? Even them going into like a gas station and buying beer, <laughs> like, like all that stuff. But that <laughs> gas station looks just like gas stations, like from like where I'm from. I'm like, yeah. I guess they haven't updated it at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it has that like chaos of reality TV where like the kid drops the beer in the gas station and it explodes oh, everywhere. Yeah. And just like... some random Southern guy is like next to me and goes, you fucked up. <laughs> 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 that moment like sticks yeah. with me more than like most of the performances of the songs, to be honest. Really? I, okay. The songs are very good. And there are a few that have stuck in my head more than anything else we listened to for this episode. Right. But I don't think their performances are as special as the movie is in this form. Like, the version I rented on Amazon is three hours long. Because yeah. after the movie ends, there's an hour of just I, there's some, concert footage. Yes. That's the best part. Y'all didn't watch it? I watched the whole thing and I enjoyed okay. it. But I just didn't think it was as interesting as the like background extra stuff thrown in. And I think it's because they don't have... I mean, I know you've seen this band a ton of times in concert, but I don't think they do that much theatrically to entertain you. Like the way that Prince is like rolling around on the ground or like <laughs> so, Led Zeppelin has that exploding gong at the end yeah. that catches fire. Like they're not doing that. Because they, well, the, they play keyboard. Right. Too. They're pushing so buttons. They're pushing buttons. They're standing there. The front man is so charismatic. Dave, Dave Gahan, the older he got, like you can kind of see him doing his like his famous twirls for everything and his like, you know, air humping and stuff like that. But the yeah. older he got, the more he did, he did. Uh, it. Okay. So, um, I hmm. saw them on their last two tours for their spirit album and their Delta machine album. And he's like that times 80 cool. right now. It's nuts. So all he does is like, he, t- he has no, well, he starts with like a button up shirt yeah. and then he takes that off and then he's got his like wife being underneath and then he takes that off and then he's just shirtless and sweaty with the tightest little, you know, Jimmy Page pants <laughs> and he's twirling around and like air humping yeah. and it's like watching a, a stripper perform. Yeah, I was like watching all four of these films. I was really thinking of like the sexuality and like this, the sex that is communicated in all these, because it's like a big part of all of these films. And like, um, Robert Plant was just a tight pant, like mesmer man. (laughs) And then Prince is this like androgynous sex cretin in the best (laughs) way. And then like, um what what is the the lead Dave Gahan Dave Gahan uh he was like a horny little dork like yeah. a cool like <laughs> he had his leather jacket but he he's like his movements are like not sexy but it's like I still get it he's like he's he's horny he's ready to horned up and and it works it totally works so also I don't know if you noticed um they didn't show it that much but Martin Gore who is sort of the main synth guy. So we've got Martin and Andy are the two main guys, but Martin is sort of like the number one synth God when it comes to like Depeche mode. He has his like leather straps. Yeah. On. Mm-hmm. Well, for a good while in the eighties, he was very into like the BDSM look. Yeah. yeah the kids sure. really latched on that too. Like the, the crowd shots of all those kids and like, S&M leather gear with the, like the... Uh, yeah, all for Martin. Like, sort of military hats that are like in black leather. And yeah. A lot of the kids who got cast from the dance contest, I think they got cast for their look because there's that one kid with the bleach hair that um, dresses as like a sailor. And it's like, that is freaky looking. Like you <laughs> yeah. and your like really skimpy sailor outfit. You basically look like a rent boy. It's um, funny because whenever I saw them last, 
like everyone around me at the show, like three people had mohawks. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. So I guess they still have like the same same crowd um, yeah. as this. But that, that was the cool part of just watching like do each other's hair. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and like well, you're right. really focus on like the look. Well, I mean, you watch all of these concert movies and all of them, they would show a shot of the crowd. I'm like, what's that person's deal? Right. Like what a fascinating looking person. Yeah. Right. And you never see them again. And this one gives you yeah. like, I don't think like eight kids and you're like, right. okay, well I'm actually going to find out what their deal is yeah. and like dig a little yeah, deeper. And the, yeah. the crowd stuff again is like, I think one of the most interesting aspect of all, all of these movies. Yeah. yeah. There was this like two minute shot of this chick who's just like having a moment blasphemous like, rumors to- and she's i know yeah, what you're talking yeah, about right. yeah, she's yeah, having yeah, a religious yeah. experience I was, yeah i was like i was like i hope you're okay <laughs> yeah been there right? <laughs> that was yeah. me his like little humps i couldn't get enough of they were so cute but yeah i re- i loved watching the the kids moving around together and having also having their like own little internal struggles yeah. that are centered in the subculture like the the blonde kid that's like drinking like wandering off right yeah and everybody's friends and then that like that there's a really i thought sweet relationship between the chick with the bleached hair and the guy with like the double mohawk yeah and then there's that like the one kid that with that brain, yeah, the dude who's like thinks fashion is an art. They kind of win him over because yeah, that that argument is amazing. Where like these teen girls are like, fashion is an art form. Also, look around you, like right, right. yeah, yeah. Depeche Mode concerts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, didn't doing they the best. tell him like, why don't you go like make an outfit? And let us know. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. like, oh, but by the end the of the idea t- of by the end of the tour, he's trying new fashion. Yeah, he put the pants on. He was like, I can't believe I have these pants on. He was enjoying the thrill of it. Though. Yeah, they yeah. are a little a little sweeter than I'm like saying. Also, like, okay, there's that sequence where the band's performing and they keep intercutting yeah. between the band and they're singing the song to the and same song. The kids are like doing like a karaoke version of it on yeah. the bus. Oh, for nothing. And it's like so much a part of their personality. Yeah, to yeah. be like into this band. And I, I don't know. I, I really think the movie captures some kind of like teenage enthusiasm for music. What it did. I'll never get back again. Yeah. Capture. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I also wonder like, okay, in Zeppelin, you look out at the crowd, it's like bell bottoms, floral shirts. And then in this, it's like the new wave look. And, you know, in the 90s, it was like flannels. And, but like the concert footage from the 2010s, 2020, like, Looking out at the crowd, what is the distinguishing? Depends on the band, but I don't feel like they're what band would have a like. I feel like at a Depeche Mode concert, you look out at the crowd like, oh, look at all these Mohawks and all that. Like, I don't get the sense like that that exists really anymore. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't. I think of like like I'm thinking of music festivals, and to me, Buku has like a like it might change every year, but every time I go to a music festival, like. 80% of people are wearing basically the same thing. And like, you know, it's the same for Lollapalooza and Coachella. Like the fashion is a huge part of it. And then, you know, even concerts we've been to, like when we saw Greet Death, a big, like, I would say like 60% of people had like dyed hair and black shirts and were like doing the, like the punk goth look. So I do think that's still like a part of... I guess so. I I just... I loved in this that it was such like a, a uniform, right? Yeah, a yeah, uniform. Yeah. Same way, with, like when they ran into the Metallica kids, like that was the look. It was like 
denim jackets and like mm-hmm. white I mean, shirts. I'm and- sure there are teenagers who are like in love with Olivia Rodrigo and dress like a certain way to go to Olivia Rodrigo concert. With their mohawk? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not a teenager anymore, so I don't kidding. hang around them. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm sure they're all just dressed like it's Euphoria Day at high school. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They all dress like Euphoria. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Well, that was kind of cool for me to see too, because this was kind of a moment in Depeche Mode's career before they hit like their their pinnacle, which is the Violator album that would come about a year after this was released. And that's like when they kind of reach their like darkness and it set the tone for what they would be going into the nineties. But yeah, seeing how they were reacting towards like other types of music, like especially with Elvis, they made a comment where like, Oh, Graceland sucks. Boring. What does it say in French? This is boring. Yeah. Like they kept (laughs) talking about how boring it was. But the thing is, is one of Depeche Mode's biggest songs that would come out like two years after this is personal Jesus and personal Jesus Mm -hmm. is inspired by how Priscilla viewed Elvis Presley. Mm. And I mean, they were influenced by Elvis and all these types of, music that all these kids were like oh this is lame this is boring this sucks country music blows and it's like well you're gonna see like how they're gonna adapt with that and as they like go to the next step in their career as a band i thought that was kind of cool it's funny you you two saying like they got more successful or whatever and like seeing the amount of money oh like that part of the documentary was really eye-opening because yeah like i know you know, bands make a shit ton of money off a huge stadium. But, but they just, were making money off the stadium. They're making money yeah. off merch. That was merch, counting yeah, yeah, like merch yeah. money. Yeah. But to see stacks, like the like accountants and the they and they say, oh, 1.4 million off of the gate alone, plus like twenty dollars for t-shirts, thirty-two dollars for sweat. You're like, damn, we're raking in, up. raking in some dough, dude. They were like, oh man, only doing pretty well. Fifteen thousand tickets sold. That kind of sucks. We should move the stage up a little bit to make it look more full. It's like 15,000, 20,000 people is a lot of fun. Right. You're doing yeah. something right. It's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, crazy. That's what's so weird about the song remains the same too. It's like they include a couple conversations like that and it doesn't fit in the vibe of the movie. Yeah. Like don't talk about finances when it comes to like your rock. <laughs> You're bumming my high. Yeah. <laughs> I know you made a shit ton of money. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. But I, d- I think it worked. It worked for me in this Definitely. one because you already have such a big part of the movie is the backstage stuff. You're like mm-hmm. looking at the day to day maintenance of a band. Like, and I thought that conversation about resodding the stadium was really funny. They're like, oh god, like the band we wanted to play here. Yeah, <laughs> it says in the contract we have to pay for it. Um, I don't know. I like really appreciate it. Like sometimes I have a fantasy of like, oh, what if I was a famous musician i made millions of dollars from playing music and then i'm like oh it would everything is stressful like most lives yeah yeah exactly it'd be interesting to find out like how much they raked in from that rose bowl show because that's a massive arena right well i wonder how much them as a band got paid because okay you made a million but you've got attorneys you've got oh yeah a film crew or a full (laughs) crew like Especially, I read an article recently about how, like, bands are, especially young bands that haven't really broken out yet, are kind of expected to, like, break even on tour and not make money. And it's just, like, suffer for your art. And that's kind of bullshit. Most of the bands that actually make money now are bands that were famous 15, 20 years ago. 
Like the Foo Fighters and the Red Hat Chili Peppers are not doing their best work in the 2020s. Right. Like they're yeah. they're still riding a nostalgia wave from the 90s. So if you're a new band out on the road just playing gig to gig, you're not you're not doing anything. Doing anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, Getting your name out there, I guess. Yeah, it's really hard. I do want to point out um the two movies feel very separate. Like I'm sure in Britney's preferred version of this, there is an extra concert documentary that is just the full show which apparently they did not film the entire show which is maddening oh it just like doesn't exist that footage no one recorded it yeah (laughs) like what you see at the end of this is about half the concert and that's what they have and a lot of it's repeated from like other parts of the film too yeah and then that feels like a whole separate film crew from the bus kids too like it feels like they just kind of smash stuff together the concert part was made by da pennebaker who did that Bob Dylan concert movie with like the flashcards. Yeah. He did um, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Another classic concert too. film. Yeah. And then the a lot of good stuff. Bus Kids portion. A lot of it's filmed by the people who filmed a Demon Lover Diary, which we talked about on the show before. Yes. Uh, and they were known for making sort of matter of fact documentaries about teenage life because they, they did one called Seventeen as well, which we should probably watch since. The, that would complete their filmography or yeah. two-thirds of the way there. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I really liked this one, just how experimental it felt with the form mm-hmm. of a documentary. Like, it was part tour, behind-the-scenes, tour diary thing, but also, like, slice-of-life stuff with the fans. And so I, I dug, like, the format of this one a lot. And honestly, gives us more to talk about, too, because, like, I don't know, the other ones are like, yeah, the music was good, yeah, and they could have done cool. this thing differently. Yeah, but. yeah. I just imagine, like, if, like, they actually, like, had backstage footage of, like, Led Zeppelin in their heyday, like, because there, there's all these, like, stories about, like, oh, my God, it was crazy. The debauchery, you can't imagine it. And, like, because mm-hmm. they don't have any footage, it's going to live on in infamy. So you always wonder, like, man, I wonder, like, what were they actually doing back there and we'll never really know well if they were on heroin they were just nodding off after right the show. yeah it just would not be very interesting uh, yeah <laughs> it was just funny that you get that backstage stuff right with this band who like seemed like just kind of quiet reserved introverted people want to play pinball and you know <laughs> that fucked me up in that kurt cobain documentary from a few years ago there's a scene where he's holding their kid on his lap Mm-hmm. while I think Courtney's cutting the oh, yeah. hair mm-hmm. and he's just like nodding off like yeah. in the middle of this like mundane task I'm like cool what a great rock star lifestyle you've right. made for yourself uh, it's really sad that was a really sad documentary yeah. what a bummer yeah uh, <laughs> well I was talking about like teenage enthusiasm for music <laughs> <laughs> I think in the last movie, oh, um, it's hectic to the point of like mania uh, oh I picked the Tammy Show from 1964. It's an acronym for Teenage Music International. Basically, this is the same year the Beatles premiered on Ed Sullivan. So picture all those like screaming children at mm-hmm. the Beatles. But here, they handed out free tickets to high school students in California who go to this concert and it's like every famous musician besides the Beatles right. are at the show. And they scream like that for the yeah, entire it's time. Whole just time. constant <laughs> like, screaming. There are parts where you can't even hear the music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's amazing. It's like a yeah. buzzsaw just like making everyone play louder over the buzzsaw <laughs> sound of the screaming. Right. And it makes everything sweatier and quicker. Like this is a stacked bill of a bunch of famous people. Yeah. And I'm sure we can individually talk about them, but 
they all have just a few minutes to play like a quick medley of their songs. And because the room is so loud with these teenage yeah. girls like they're screeching, rushing through they're it. sweating and like playing, <laughs> like getting a horse. Um, Smokey Robinson in particular's voice was like giving out, trying to like out the crowd. I noticed that, yeah. So I liked this. I did not pick this intentionally, but like as an antithesis of the Zeppelin, like rock god, mm-hmm. like noodling, this feels like just punk, sweaty, like to the point quick songs. A lot of famous people at the start of their career. I guess we should talk about the set list. It's like, yeah, it's um, stacked. Starts with Chuck Berry, who was famous like about a decade earlier for like being at the start of rock and roll and like making the music popular. Mm-hmm. And then they intercut him with the pacemakers who were yeah. part of that like Beatles wave that were like, I don't want to say updating it, but just like making it more pop friendly and like, um, more <laughs> accessible to white teenagers. So guess what I'm going to say? That was the only like band I did not care for in this was the Peacemakers. It reminded me of that thing you do. Like it's that level of like, yeah. how they do, do have, you do right. what you I do don't to Yeah, they, that's what I was going to say. They have a song that is basically that thing but, you do. Right. But why are they paired with Chuck Berry? I Chuck think, Berry is like a rock icon. I think what they're doing is introducing the idea that like the Stones and the Beatles and the Who who were doing that like skiffle stuff like writ large. Basically, all they were doing was playing rock and roll. Yeah, that was already popular. So they're kind of paying tribute to what Chuck Berry had already done, because he's kind of old for this. Everyone mm-hmm. else is like young and hungry. He's like, you know, he's already done it, and it's like, oh, here's a legend. Here's what you like to listen to on the radio. Here's where it comes from. Yeah, they're kind of bouncing back and forth. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because that's what gets leveled at a lot of even going back to Led Zeppelin. It's like, oh, they just ripped off black blues players which they yeah, absolutely they did, did. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no denying that so this is just like kind of outwardly acknowledging that and i think it feels that way because it starts with chuck berry and then it rolls into like what rock has become mm-hmm. in the in the past 10 years so it goes from that to just like like i said every famous person yeah. like smoky leslie robinson gore. the miracles leslie gore fucking brings the house down. oh that Great was my well my second favorite oh well, yeah <laughs> I mean, I just said brings the house down, but someone else fucking right. stomps on the rubble. <laughs> yes. Burned it, Burned it down, it. rebuilt it, and God. burnt it again. Uh, who else is in here? The Supremes. The Beach they, Boys. They, oh, the Beach Boys. They were so too. embarrassed to watch. And the fake Beach Boys, Jane and Dean, right. are yes. on the show as well. Uh, like I said, the Rolling Stones, Marvin Gaye is on here. Yeah. Uh, there's this band, the Barbarians, which I didn't realize why they were on the bill, but the drummer had a... Um, amputated arm with a uh, drumstick attachment, which I thought was incredible to yeah. watch. Yeah. <laughs> Played one song, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, it was just cool to see that happen. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It wasn't anything special about the song, really. And then, you know, the big performance towards the end is uh, James Brown. Oh, my God. Just fucking putting everyone <laughs> so else to shame. Good. Holy shit, I was, dude. like, <laughs> screaming. Yeah. How did I, I never... Uh, Appreciated his showmanship oh my until God. I saw the hardest working man in show business. Yep. I, well, I know. <laughs> I and just, it was the... like watching a drag show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's like when yeah. like death drop after death drop. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. And he was inspired <laughs> by like the, like ministers, like the like church performance. Yeah, yeah. And totally... also, um, gorgeous George, yeah, uh, pro wrestler. He did the, the oh, same amazing. thing with the yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. is a pro wrestler. I like the cape move is classic, but I just I get a kick out of it every single time. Like, just having his handler, like, ready with you the cape. you rocking too hard. Right, right. Come on, rest. Come on, we got to take you to rest. the back. And then no, Marvin, no, no, I must. I, mean, no. I must rock on. Yeah, I'm back up. 
<laughs> oh, uh, and his moves, man. The way his feet were moving. I was oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he so does this thing. His footwork he, is yeah. insane. He's just insane. gliding so quickly, and he's just moving his yes. foot back and forth <laughs> so <laughs> subtly. It's like God. amazing. And oh, then yeah. the poor Rolling Stones right. have to sheepishly <laughs> right. go yeah. on stage like, okay. after him and play their like, How do stupid you little pop that? songs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think they were like even said like we're embarrassed like why are we following right. up James Brown yeah uh, yeah it's an impossible task I don't know I was just electric watching this I don't know how y'all felt the whole time I was just like what another band of, like yeah they were another absolutely. legend there what like the the moving to the next band or the next like performer was so fast oh yeah like I would stop and go like okay and then the screaming was just continuous. And then the back, the background dancers. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Say, the, ba- yes. the background oh, dancers, dancers were, great. Right. were they on speed or something? Like they yeah. were just <laughs> gyrating, so and they're moving so fast. Yeah. Like everything looked like a blur because their hands were like yeah. moving so fast, and their like feet. It was just, and then it's whew, it like explosive. Some people look like, yeah, I'm a I'm a teen, and they have like jeans and a t-shirt, and then some people are just straight up like in a bikini. Yeah, bikini, like or like. like T-shirt and just panties, which right. I feel like is really vulgar. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, this is a mix of like different, like G PG. We got PG thirteen. It was wild. Yeah. I know one of them was Tony Basil too. Which yeah. Is amazing. Oh, um, yeah. It's crazy to think of that too because she started her like pop career so late in her life. Like but she was, she was a choreographer for like this kind of go go exactly. Because yeah. yeah, whenever she did Mickey, she was probably in her forties. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seemed like the kids kind of knew those dancers. Like, I don't know if they were from like the Dick Clark American Bandstand thing or something, but like a dancer would come out and the kids would react like, oh my God, it's... Yeah. I'm like, am I supposed to know right. who that is? Yeah. I have no clue. Like, like the Corny Collins show. Right. Exactly like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if John Waters saw this. Because I, I was watching... Oh, I'm sure. What was I watching? Especially I was watching the, the James Mansfield. Brown. Yeah. That's very... I can see him drooling. <laughs> I was watching the Jane Mansfield uh, movies recently. They were like, in The Girl Can't Help It, there's all these like rock performances with mm-hmm. the teenage crowd like freaking out. And it was like, this is just scenes from Hairspray. Like, oh, yeah. Just, like, copied right over. <laughs> um, I mean, and as much as I like the look of the Prince one and the Zeppelin, like something about the black and white, because this is what, 64? So this was 64, and then the Zeppelin one was like in the 70s. Like, but it feels like some ancient time. Right, yeah. But it's not. Like it's yeah. with it's like when my dad was born. You know what I mean? Like Well, the Stones would have been performing the same kinds of shows as Zeppelin was around that time. Like those big stadium shows where there's like twenty thousand people yeah. there. Like they they stopped playing this like to the point pop music at some point and started playing more like guitar solo kind of things. Also, this was filmed on television cameras from the Steve Allen shows like crew. Yeah. So like it does have a cheaper, grainier look to it. I kind of like it though. Mm-hmm. It's good. The whole thing just feels quick and dirty and sweaty. Yeah, and like, yeah. It's, it's pretty Very punk. Sweaty. Yeah, the whole thing, it's high yeah. energy. Well, like punk in particular was a response to that Led Zeppelin rock god Absolutely, thing, where yeah. it was like rock and roll is for the people. Anyone should be able to do this. Um, not not just like a select few who like have classic like guitar training. Um, so basically, people who are not very talented <laughs> tried to bring it back to this style of like quick to the point, like three minute mm-hmm. pop songs. But because the crowd is so loud and those television lights are so sweaty, um, I feel like this is even more punk than most of those bands normally would have sounded like it. It sounds mm-hmm. like they're like straining to get their music out yeah. of those amps <laughs> uh, as fast as they can, because the kids are just like, 
Well, it felt <laughs> like some of the songs like were cut <laughs> shortly. If I don't know if this is the case, but it felt like sometimes the the band, the backing band, would kind of signal to them like, "Hey, wrap, wrap it, it up. up," and they would like <laughs> have to like cut it short or like. You know, okay, not. Jam. Yes, all right, go on. We're going to the next one. <laughs> I felt like some of them were like mashups. They where... were medleys, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like Leslie Gore does not finish It's My Party. She like cuts it off <laughs> yeah. about halfway through and goes right into Judy's turn to cry. Yeah. Like she does not have any time to waste. No, she wasn't fucking around. It reminds me of those um, hardcore shows at Nova Miasto that they used to put on where it was like, we have two hours before the neighbors will get mad. Um, so we're going to play all five bands in two hours you have like 15 minute sets and then 15 minute turnover rates and those were like some of the best shows i've ever been to like i'm just yeah. not getting tired because like each band would like come yeah up and like roar right. through their set right it's like you hear them and then they're done right okay next one it's like a sampler yeah <laughs> i really like i loved the crowd shots in this especially in the context of the other three films because i feel like it's safe to say a depeche mode and prince and led zeppelin like most people were on drugs. And I, th- I think you had actually mentioned this yesterday, Brandon, that like these, the teenagers are like high on the like vitality of being a teenager and just yeah. having energy. <laughs> but I saw like, it was like these teens are going to go to concerts in their 20s and they're going to get like high as hell watching <laughs> yeah. other people. That's but so this was like the nascency of that like, concert experience of like being so into the music I, but i just saw them like oh you're gonna fly off like little yeah. birds you're, you're gonna be at a zeppelin show yeah, in a and, decade like, and you're right gonna, out of yeah, your there's mind. a certain innocence to seeing these high school kids that are just high off of like you said being a kid and yeah the music <laughs> i feel like i've lost whatever that is like I, I it's been a long time since i've been like i guess death grips was like the last time i was like so into a band like, yeah. i had to see them at all costs i mean i'd still love to go fly somewhere to see Bjork if I could afford the luxury but like it's not part of my personal identity anymore I've gotten to the age where I hear music on the radio and I'm like this is fine when like if I was 20 I'd be like no that stuff sucks you gotta hear this other thing that's way better I yeah. know what, what you mean because like I used to go to so many live shows and I would like I'm like oh yeah I can go to Houston and see that and I'll drive back in the same night because right. it's worth oh, yeah, it well, and I, blah, I would blah. die and now I'm like oh god no well, I, I don't do that but I definitely like I still care about music and like if I find a band and I get obsessed I like I love the band and like mm-hmm. I will go see them Will I drive to Houston and drive back the same? No, probably not, because I work tomorrow. I did that for Depeche Mode. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> and I would do it again. That's right. the only band that would ever do well, yeah, that I for. I still like, have gone to shows, even recently, where like, I still feel something from the, yeah. the music. Yeah. You know what I mean? But maybe it's not that like hysteria that I... But but it also is a more general... like. It's not like a, your band sucks, mine is good. It's like... I kind of like it all. It's not part of your identity to like a band anymore. Like you're no, not into that's, a specific that genre. True, yeah. yeah. Right. Like we were watching Irma, Irma Thomas yesterday and had a euphoric experience. Yeah. It had nothing to do with like who I am as a person. <laughs> She's right. just like a talented musician. It was yeah. great to see her perform and do her yeah. thing. I'll never be able to work myself up into a tizzy the way these kids do again. <laughs> um, and it's mildly frightening watching them do it. Cause there's so many of them. And they're all in the same energy level. Yeah. Uh, also kind of cool. It's like a racially integrated crowd, which for the mid 60s, I don't know. I found that impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it was interesting too at the at the end 
where all the bands are kind of hanging out together. And it is like a pretty even mixture of whites and blacks. And yeah. then you just have Chuck Berry standing there oddly, like not talking to anyone. <laughs> I don't know. I'm <laughs> fucking tired. Yeah. 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 It reminded me of the end of Phantom of the Paradise where everyone crowds the stage oh, and there's like yeah, a big yeah. raucous uh, party. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like half expecting the kids to rush them and just like cause anarchy. I don't know. The punk version of this movie, it might have happened. Yeah, they would have ripped <laughs> off a limb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Devoured them. Yes. There are other concert movies we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I've watched uh, The Talking Heads stop making sense yeah. like, so many times. Right. We did the Laurie Anderson one. Home of the Brave. Yeah, which is probably my favorite in the yeah, genre. Yeah, that one... I I kind of wish we could have watched this one for yeah. the podcast. It's really it's really fantastic. Are there any others that like stick out that we may be, maybe should have covered? Maybe the more recent David Byrne one as well. That one, yeah, was that good. one was good. I think the one Scorsese did with the, the band, band is a very well done. Yeah, there's some good ones. Joni Mitchell's set in that documentary is amazing. Yeah, but I, I think this was a very diverse group of concert documentaries. Definitely, mm-hmm. even the two from the '80s are not similar at all. Like yeah. the Prince and Depeche Mode's ones are completely yeah. different worlds. Yeah, and I, I thought like the most interesting, like the music was good, but also just like the societal stuff, the historical stuff with the audience and with fashion trends. Like that was what I liked most yeah. about. And the, the sex symbol, how it's changed. And I, I just like thought that stuff was fascinating yeah. watching these was, group of movies. It was like little time capsules, like getting to mm-hmm. peek into the subcultures and see what was going on. Jane and Dean were the sex symbols in the last right. movie, I'm assuming, right? Obviously, yes. <laughs> They're little yes. skateboards. <laughs> that was pretty cool when he skated that? towards the camera. I love that yeah. shot. I forgot about the skateboard. I like that Jane and Dean um, are playing the the like most teeny bopper, like rot your teeth music. Um, and they look like they're about 40, 45 yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah. Not they they sounded like great, though. Yeah, they yeah. Sound great. I need to explore Jan and Dean. They do great covers of like the Batman surf theme. And um, they have like they have a novelty song about Robin, too. Oh, wow. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, next week on the show, we're going to watch a movie I have not seen before, even though it was my pick. So I don't know how it's going to go, but it's called Arabato. And it is Pedro Almodovar's favorite movie. <laughs> Oh, and it just got right. a restoration yeah. that's on Criterion Channel, and it looks really cool. Yeah, um, that's cool. Sounds I think it's about a addiction to movies. That's all I really know. Gotta watch it. Yeah, and in the meantime, check out Swampflix.com for movie reviews. Talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Rock on. <laughs>